Hello, this is Claire Beck. This is the Fear Fun Podcast, where I get people into a room to ask them the question, what is your biggest fear? Now, I'm supposed to be doing them every two weeks here on the Headstuff Network, um, which means I am a week late. So sorry about that. Um, Basically, what happened was um, I just I took too much on last week. I took absolutely far too much on. I had gigs. Um, I had some personal stuff that I needed to tend to. Um, I ran an event on Sunday and um, it was just too much. And I knew that it wouldn't be good content um, if I went and did it last week. So I thought it would just be better um, to leave it go for a week. And um, so here we are. I'm sure, you know, you're kind of going, oh, I didn't even notice. It's totally fine. But um, I just wanted to let you know anyway, because, you know, consistency is fab. And um, I thought I should explain why we were late. So we'll be back, hopefully, to our two-week schedule. Um, my guest for this episode is Dave Hanratty. Um, if you're familiar with the No Encore podcast here on the Headstuff Network, you'll be familiar with him. He is a friend of mine. He's fantastic. And um, during the chat, um, we ha- talked about everything from um, uh, women having a terrible time being represented in films and um, gratuitous violence and that sort of thing. We talked a little bit about the referendum um, and our hope for the yes vote coming through. Um, Dave talked about his fear of spiders. He's really, really not a fan. He's not a fan at all. Um, talked about death, <laughs> which seems to come up a lot on this podcast. And I confessed that um, if there's a lot of things on my bed, I don't necessarily put them away or even put them on the floor before I go to sleep. I usually just kind of push them to one side and get in. And he thought that was weird. But, you know, we're all just weird individual people. Um if this is your first time listening to the podcast, um, please do go back. Um, there's lots of previous episodes. Um, I've had some great guests. Um, the podcast, you know, it's called Fear Fun. Some of them have been very lighthearted. Some of them have been a little bit darker. Um, mostly a balance of the two. And um, hopefully you enjoyed listening to them. So um, you can also, of course, subscribe. And then you just automatically get a new podcast every two weeks don't have to do anything just sits there sit back listen it's all good you can also um leave a rating you can review the podcast and you can follow us online as well um at fear fun podcast on twitter and facebook and all that kind of crack all right without further ado let's play our sexy theme song and then listen to fear fun with dave hanratty enjoy So we're here in the Headstuff studio and um, we're kind of just doing a little circle, a little circle of podcasts, aren't we, Dave Hanratty? Apparently so. My name is Dave Hanratty. I host No Encore on the Headstuff Podcast Network and Claire Beck was very good to step in for me while I took a bit of a sabbatical for one of the episodes. It was great, by the way. I listened. You said to me on the episode, you better not be listening to this one, Dave. You're supposed to be off. But yes. Like, that's, my, <laughs> that's my downtime. But of course, I listened immediately. Of course you yeah. did. <laughs> when I sent the file. It was a lot of fun, actually. Thank you for having me. Or thanks to Craig and Colin for having me. But um, yeah, no, it was great crack. It's a good podcast. You should listen to it. Every Friday on the Heads of Podcast Network, if you like music, no encore. You did a great job, as always, to be fair. Oh, thanks, home, home pal. Home. You're a proper broadcaster. I'm not. So, Would you, know. you stop? 
Would you stop? So this is what happens. Um, Dave is a personal friend of mine. Um, and also I figured since he came, uh, or since I came on his podcast, he should come on my podcast. Also, we were out for pints um, oh, I asked you. the other night and he was like, hey, why haven't I been on your podcast yet? Yeah, and I, I was, was like, good I was, question, I was pal. out for pints. I'm going to do some name dropping now. I was out for pints with Mary-Kate Garrity of The Galaxy. Who has also been on your podcast. Yeah, she's the best. And we'd had a few drinks. And eventually I was like, Claire, what up? And I was fairly hammered at this point, but in a nice, polite way. And I was like, what the fuck? It was fuck? very polite. Uh, can, can I curse on this? Is this cursing podcast? Uh, it's the internet. You can do whatever you I want. I was like, why the fuck haven't been on your podcast yet, Claire? What's that about? So here I am. Absolutely. <laughs> Being obnoxious. You're not being obnoxious. But listen, we're here now. This is Fear Fun. It is the podcast where I get people into a room and ask them the questions. What is your biggest fear? Does it always sound so threatening when I say that? I'm not actually sure. Because just there, I was like, I get them in a room and I like interrogate them. <laughs> I think that Please sounds very, scares. very jovial, Claire. Like. Yeah, so that's the premise of it. But it's fear fun um we've had some great uh, previous guests on the show um we've had um lots of people from the radio world because that is what i do um so we've had ed smith from today fm i've had tara tara stewart from 2fm um we've had kellyanne byrne um we've had lots of different interesting people and um, my last episode was two circus artists ashley mccallig and ronan brady um they're not afraid of heights <laughs> obviously we're snotting their faces on the floor but they are scared of other things so, so i'm following i'm following circus artists then circus it's artists yeah one. you're in great company and um, so dave for people who aren't familiar with you and your work and um no encore podcast every friday on the headstuff network every friday um, a little bit about you if you please sure. what do you what do you do to pay for uh, record shopping money what is your main <laughs> gig uh well this will disgust you claire i still don't have a record player even though I have a couple of records. It I'm doesn't that, disgust I'm me. I'm that guy. I need to sort it out. Um, I'm a freelancer. I'm a freelance journalist and writer, although I hesitate to call myself a journalist because to me, a journalist is like a war correspondent or a political uh, person or some kind of activist. Uh, I, I'm an arts journalist, which, to be fair, is a valid form of journalism, um, but I mostly just opine about things, uh, usually music, sometimes film. And yeah, I mean, I've written for a bunch of people. I started out in Hot Press and kind of did that until it became not fun anymore. And then I kind of bounced around. I was an ad agency for a while. I'm now freelancing with Joe.ie. I've been there for quite a while. Um, so a mix of kind of news and features over there and trying to get my own musical snark involved on occasion to the point where I wrote a thing about Daft Punk's random access memories being absolute garbage. And I've had people sliding into my emails telling me that I'm an idiot and all this kind of stuff. So that's fine. It's nice. It's, it's nice to get feedback, isn't it? It's, of course, lovely hate to get mail. feedback. Um, hate mail, indeed. Um, I kind of had a bit of a crack at writing about music there for a little while. Um, more on kind of the review side. I was mm. like doing bits for Golden Plec, that sort of thing. Um, but I had to stop because basically... Um, Obviously, DJ, radio, background, um, I have lots of opinions about music and I know what I think is good and think is bad, but I also absolutely hate the thought of someone in a new band getting up on stage, doing a not great job, and then me kind of ripping them apart for that and picking apart why that it wasn't such a great job, and then them perhaps reading that and saying, oh, I don't want to do this anymore that was really hurtful that is like my worst nightmare that's fair i mean there's this i've done it i don't think i've done it with new acts too much and it's something i would generally try and shy away from my kind fair. of loose attitude on it would be a case of if you're trashing someone i mean hopefully preferably it's a massive established act who's never going to see the review and wouldn't care anyway right i would never be like oh i saw this singer songwriter in Whelan's from dublin some, yeah some young or some some guy or whatever the fuck 
and I'm like I'm going to really go for them because it wouldn't make sense to me that's you're learning like your education is on record there yeah. but I've definitely written my fair share of, of like uh, hit pieces for sure uh, it's interesting because there's a, a bit of a movement now I think across the board in a lot of ways to be cognizant and conscious of what you're doing with criticism and I've seen uh, pieces emerge in the wake of the tragic passing of Frightened Rabbit frontman Scott Hutchison a couple of weeks ago, which is still genuinely uh, difficult to process. And I've seen kind of people... It's funny because the, the, the day that news came out was the same day that the Arctic Monkeys released a new album. And that album is quite divisive. And a lot of people were kind of coming in with their hot takes. And I myself, as someone who would do that, um, felt... I didn't announce this or anything, but I just felt that it was actually the wrong time to trash any piece of artistic work, particularly in the music world, right. even in a snarky kind of fun way. I didn't want to be like, here's my Arctic Monkeys hot take as we were all reeling from the news about Scott Hutchison and his struggles and his ultimate fate. And I think that there's an argument there to be like, maybe we need to be a little bit um, less kind of knives out sometimes. And there's been some articles written, but then again, at the same time, I would also be on the side of, we can't erase criticism. No. I, th I think criticism is its own art form. I think it's very important. And I think as long as you're not malicious and too personal, then, then you know, if you can constructively go for it and while still getting a few one-liners out that aren't going to really... Yeah. But to be fair, we don't necessarily see the impact that it might have on someone's mental health. And I am conscious of that. Yeah. And like I say, I wrote but I, I wrote this piece about Daft Punk's album being garbage, but I wrote it in like a lighthearted way and for it to be accessible. And, you know, sure. I can't imagine it's going to ever reach their you know sci-fi helmet brain but you know it is what <laughs> well, it their is. name actually came from them getting trashed they got trashed in the enemy mm. someone went to see one of their gigs and said what is this some sort of daft punk and meant it like as a really like you know putting the boot in they're yeah, like that's yeah. actually a really good name let's name. go with yeah. it yeah. Um, name, yeah. but yeah no i think it's it, it is that thing and i think if you're going to be working in the music world or in anything to do with the arts if you're putting yourself out there it's sort of not I don't want to say part of your education to get a thick skin but you do need to have a, a thick skin and build up the skill set to protect yourself from you know because you're on stage you're vulnerable and you have to kind of have a certain amount of you know oh well I mean you put you're, you're saying just there you got as a journalist you get on radio as well yeah, like totally. every radio DJ gets certain people who will just text me in all the time and be like oh you're this that and the other um for whatever reason you have to kind of just deal with this but um yeah, no, it's 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 a it's going to be. I'm sure there's people, maybe older journalists, that are kind of saying, "Oh, well, you know, this is just snowflakes and people yeah. like this kind of thing." But I think it's it, I think you're dead right. Like it needs to be just there. You probably need to be more not you personally, but you know, kind of um, critics as a whole. Maybe kind of keep in mind the effect that it, it's still a person. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, like, at the end of the I day. think it does apply to me though as well because I I mean like even with even with no encore like our show uh, every Friday uh, is. <laughs> Nicely like, done, my <laughs> it's like i mean i do it with two other guys that we've been doing it for a couple of years now we all went through the hot press trenches together and essentially the show is our it's our it's our baby it's our voice and we try and use it responsibly as best we can and i am conscious of like evolving over the course of i think we're up to like 115 episodes now and it's like you know you're gonna say some stuff that you will regret because it's one take and you're like, you know, like, yeah. and, and you might listen back to the episode and be like, ah, oh, fuck, you know, like that was, that was a bit unnecessarily harsh or I, or I just totally got that one wrong. It happens. People make mistakes. And I mean, also, especially since working for Joe and having access to the Facebook comments, which, you know, don't ever read them. Ever. Don't ever read the comments on the internet ever. It's astonishing how people will jump in and or even find you on Twitter or, or hit that email button or whatever. And they will have, 
you know, a photo of them and their smiling family, but they'll be saying horrible shit to you. And it's like, maybe that's fair game if I'm being a critic. I mean, like, I'm a person too. I, I mean, think like, people on the internet just forget that it's an actual person sometimes it's crazy that they're to me. dealing and with. Like, like, I find it so shocking. But then again, you see people kind of using Facebook and Twitter who don't seem to realize that, like, they're not talking to who they think they're talking to. Like, there was a hilarious one at Christmas where, like, it was Shane McGowan's birthday on Christmas Day. It was the 60th, and I was working for Joe that day, and you man the socials while you're working there as well. You don't just do the content for the site. So at one point, you know, we posted up a thing on Facebook on, uh, on being, like, happy 60th birthday, Shane McGowan, and it was, like, an old article about Fairytale New York being the best Christmas song ever, which it isn't, but whatever. It's a story <laughs> for another day. Um, and, like, in the comments, like, some woman was like, oh, happy birthday, Shane, have a great day. And I'm like, does she not realise that, like, Shane McGowan's not actually involved here? Like, he's she's not communicating with him directly. But then you're just like, okay, I think people just don't fully understand sometimes what they're saying, how they're saying it, who they're communicating with. And, yeah, big time. And ultimately, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, but uh, what I will say is, I mean, like, you know, if you've been, if I have been, and I'm sure I have, if I've made those mistakes and I've stepped over a line, I mean, I think, yeah, there's, we, call me on it, you know, like, that's yeah. fair. But I ultimately... I do like constructive criticism. I do like, you know, everyone likes to read a good negative review. Like, they can be really well written. But um, I think if it, if it is well, if you if somebody is saying, I didn't like this and here's why, mm, and mm. they can actually break it down, that's fine. If someone's just trashing it. For the sake of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, I was the other way. So, basically, I think when they, I was, like, kind of doing bits for Golden Pleck, and when they came back to me, they were like, because you have to do the whole lineup. So even if it's a bigger band, you know, you have to go and see the second support, the first support. And um, the editor got back and go, here, listen, you cannot write name redacted. <laughs> they weren't my cup of tea, but um, they seem to be enjoying themselves on stage or something like that. I was like, you can't do that. You have to say why you didn't like it. And I was like, they're a new band. I don't want to say anything bad against them. I don't want to put someone off picking up a guitar or whatever it is. So um, I then was like, okay, what I'll do instead is I'll pick up and coming bands that I think are really good um, or, you know, like an album or whatever it is, an interview and then only do stuff I like. But then I got, got st start, um, started getting slated online being like, oh, she just likes everything. I was like, you don't know my struggle. I'm, done, this, I'm trying to be this sound. This is the balance and it's <laughs> difficult. And I've been told since I was young, since I worked in like retail jobs and whatever, that I hate everything. I get it to this day with people that I meet and all this kind of stuff. And it's demonstrably not true. Like, I mean, why do you think people think you hate it? Because everything? I'm, I, I'm very opinionated and I have high standards. I suppose when it comes to pop culture and that kind of stuff mm -hmm. uh, and I will try and find flaws maybe before I will try and find greatness but I actually think it's a marriage of the two and I think it's just because I'll be quick to be like well that's that, that thing sucks or whatever but like it's I don't consider myself a negative person and I don't consider myself like this contrarian even though I've been labeled it many many a time because like whether it's in my writing or for the podcast or on Twitter or whatever um I can I can prove to you instantly here's here's an archive of positive things i've said and written about yeah. and, and things i've championed and that kind of stuff but i think people focus on the negative like say like a negative review is going to get more hits i remember a few years ago writing for drowned in sound i wrote a 16 1700 800 1800 word about m83 they uh, had reissued the first three records and like some of those albums are like to me just magical Amazing. and eternal and exceptional and i wrote this I, again you try not to be too fawning but I wrote this very you know loving piece about these things and what they meant to me and how incredible I thought they were and I try you try and meet this piece of art that you love on a similar level and you want to create something great of your own to stand with it and I did that and I went out into the void and no one ever commented on it no one ever talked about it I don't know how, how often it was read and then like a week later I wrote like a complete like hit piece on the new Jesse J album at the time 
and it was fucking massive like it yeah. was like you know people it was blowing up because that's more palatable i think for people because it's it, i don't know it's just like people can say oh like let's not be negative but we all enjoy a really good fucking do you tra- think as thing. well like people love trashing pop music and pop acts and like kind of i think there's a very kind of a snooty thing like oh uh, like for me, like pop wouldn't be my favorite genre mm-hmm. at all. Like a lot of it, it just it, I just don't get anything from it. But that's fine. It's not for me. I sure. don't care if other people want to listen to it. But I think there's a certain kind of particularly it's, I always find it really weird when it's like older people slating like One Direction. And you're oh, like, yeah, you do yeah. realize that that's an, it, this music isn't being written for you. Precisely. And yeah. You're kind of being a dick to the also, people that the Beatles, are listening to the Beatles it. were a boy band. I'm sorry. But they yeah, were. no, they and totally were. And I mean, I, I, that's interesting because I, when I was younger, I definitely did the whole pop is bullshit thing. I thought, you know, metal was the coolest thing in the world or new metal or whatever. And I still think new metal is kind of fun. <laughs> but um, pop music to me is amazing now. And that doesn't necessarily mean that everything pop is great because, of course, that's not the case. Yeah, it's an But there's an incredible genre. skill there. I think Girls Aloud have, like, maybe the best single thing was ever released ever. At least they're up there. They're mm-hmm. just exceptional. And I don't care who wrote them. I don't care if they weren't in the studio. It doesn't bother me. Okay, um, so a note on that. All, like People go mental. They'll be like, oh, how many writers did Beyonce have? Who cares? Or Kanye? But the thing about <laughs> it is, if you go back in history, um, there's... Um, there was there was always been there's always been writing teams there's yeah. always been and what it is is just people weren't credited mm-hmm. the people weren't cr- properly credited so if you go back particularly to the likes of Motown where it was complete hit factories there was loads of people that came out with little ideas or a little hook or what about this what about that they just didn't get credited and there's so many um, people that wrote like great songs or contributed and got no money and ended up destitute so I'm glad that there's all of these people getting the credit that they deserve I think it would be I think it would be so myopic and naive of someone like Beyonce or Frank Ocean because Blonde has a ton of people on that album like Rostam Jamie XX like various different producers and writers Drake is the same I mean like it would be so silly of these titanic artists who are making great things although I don't think Drake makes great things Uh, but like (laughs) I mean to not utilise that avenue and be like hey listen you know like this is only going to make my work better ariana grande works with max martin and a bunch of other people and she's an exceptional talent but like maybe she's not the strongest songwriter on her own maybe she will be someday yeah but at the same time uh, the package of it like i don't understand these are the same people who will go to a film and be like i love the marvel movies or the matrix or whatever mm-hmm. and they have like they can have five or six writers on there who's yeah. not the director or any of the actors why does it matter but then again, people are just strange in general. I mean, I'll, I'll put you a story real quick before we get into I know I'm kind of rambling. <laughs> a few weeks ago, I was I went home and I found myself, I was getting the bus back and I missed the bus. Uh, or there actually wasn't one at the time, for whatever reason, Drogheda being Drogheda, uh, where I'm from. It was like bus on the half an hour, every single hour, except for half seven, for reasons unknown. And I went down and I was like, okay, there's no one here. This doesn't look good. Check the timetable. Sure enough, no bus. And I went across the road to a pub and I had a pint because I, I had to write up an interview I did with uh, Mark McCabe of Maniac 2000 fame, which was actually a really fun interview, by the way, to be fair. And he's an interesting guy. So, but I'm sitting there at this table in Drada, at this, and it's, it's a cool bar. I remember like lamenting that when I left Drada, I was like, oh, they finally get this great fucking cool pub that I would totally spend all my time in here if I was going out. Uh, like, you know, but like, what can you do? It's a very Dublin bar, but it's in Drada. You know, so it's not that frequented, uh, or I guess it is, but you know. So I'm sitting there and I'm on my laptop and I'm typing up this interview and like eventually people start coming in and it gets a bit busier and there's this crew of people who came in and they clearly come from some kind of confirmation or a wedding or something. They're all dressed to the nines 
and they were like looking at me they kept looking at me with this kind of weird like they were kind of like giggling to each other and like kind of like putting their hands over their mouths and like one girl was just craning her neck out constantly and they were like tittering away they're all in their fucking 20s or 30s like i was like what the hell is this and then these lads to my left who were like wearing metal t-shirts that they just shouldn't be wearing anymore and like they have hairstyles that they really need to fucking look at and make some decisions on and like i'm the outlier and i'm just sitting there yeah i'm sitting there with a fucking macbook and whatever but i'm just i'm working so why were they laughing at you because you had your computer yeah because they were probably like oh look at this geek or whatever and like i remember being in drada before years ago like when i was in a band and like writing out a set list and it like i got a table and like some bloke came over and was like oh you're writing a poem are you and i'm like it's like that bill hicks gag of like we got ourselves a reader i just find it astonishing i'm like you want to say to these people and like maybe i'm reading too much into it but i got that vibe and i didn't confront anybody i was just like jesus christ this is so strange draw it like it would never happen in dublin you can go to any coffee shop and pull out a macbook no one cares but like in a small <laughs> town it's this weird like oh you're like think you're fucking better than us do you but you want to say to and these you're like people, i'm from here also leave me alone i think this actually ties in because i think i i, I think it is a fear thing uh, but what i will say is i think that like with these people you want to be like have you ever consumed any form of media like ever do you read the paper do you watch a tv show mm. you realize that someone has to create that right from whether they use pen and parchment or they use a macbook pro or whatever yeah. the fuck it is but that to me is insecurity and, uh, and like it's very classic small town insecurity and i hate to make sweeping generalizations but like you see it you do and you yeah. experience it and i'm like you know the person who might look pretentious probably isn't trying to be that way they're probably just getting on with their day yeah you know okay i have to stop you there what is that noise there's like a ship type noise one of our chairs is creaking i think it's like the pipes this happens on is this is there a ghost in the studio is i think there might happening? be Th- this happens on occasion there was ah. one there was one time we recorded no encore and it was like there was i thought like someone was at the window like banging on it you're not afraid of ghosts are you no i'm okay, not so. actually i've never <laughs> experienced a ghost i've heard some stuff i can't explain but i've never seen one uh, but I no ghosts don't really kind of bother me too much because if they're real, well then it gives me some kind of hope in a fucked up way because oh, death is something I am afraid of. So oh, I know you've discussed it on the I show see. before, but death is yeah I find it quite terrifying. Why are you fr- are you afraid? Is it because you don't want to not be here anymore, or you're afraid of what might happen after you die? If it's that makes sense, kind of both I guess. And it's strange because I mean, look, I've been frank about it on you, like you know, even from talking to you, and you've been a great friend with this as well. And I've talked about it on on my show and on my Twitter. I've suffered from mental health problems my whole life, and they're I, I don't want to say they're only getting worse because that puts too negative and pessimistic a point on it. But they are tough. And in recent years, I've developed anxiety on top of that as well. And you know, I'm I, I was on meds there, which I've, I've currently i'm currently coming off my meds i'm I'm off them now i'm kind of still in that adjustment period and i'm going back to counseling and all that kind of stuff so um i guess the overall point is that you can have those times when you might feel like actually i don't want to be here anymore but at the same time there's this real thing of like well i mean not only is that so final but also i don't know what else there is i don't know if there is anything else and I think it's this bizarre thing of having the knowledge of death that like animals don't have that, you know, like you're like, wow. I mean, from a young age, you learn what death is and you understand it in different ways. And I remember like uh, I would have been in my teens. Like I remember there was just one day when I was just like kind of like brushing my teeth or something. and I just looked at myself in the mirror and I just instantly thought you're going to die. Yeah. And I was just frozen. And I was like, oh, my God. I got really upset about it. And it's that thing of like and it will happen to me at like two in the morning like you're just about to go to sleep or something and like boom that comes into your brain like this mortality thing and like i know this is a very common thing and people struggle with it and particularly as you get older and i haven't really experienced that much of it either that's that's a fear of i I would definitely have in as much as i don't my parents are still here um 
my grandparents i knew one of them before she died and not incredibly well mm-hmm. i haven't had friends like close friends go either um you know there's a couple of lads you know in school would have died young and that's terrifying and weird um and obviously in the art world and i think you know we're seeing an awful lot of it lately and unfortunately in the form of of suicide as well like with huge names like chester bennington and chris cornell and avici and scott hutchison and others and I'm seeing a lot of people respond to that in an interesting way, uh, in a very real and empathetic and emotional way, which I do think speaks to the generational shift, which is I think is healthy and very, very good for the most part. But it's such a strange thing. And some people are totally okay with it. I remember like one of my best friends who I remember like years ago having a conversation with him and he was like like I'm totally fine with it. Like I, I like I, I think I'd feel quite peaceful about it and I'm like, How? Like I, I just yeah. my I can't my brain and my body just have this kind of it's not even like i mean it's a fear for sure of course it's a fear but it's also a sadness there's a sorrow there like having this knowledge and just knowing that one day none of this will matter (laughs) yeah like it's so weird that's kind of how i feel about it i kind of and we actually we talked about death a lot the episode with um ed smith from cfm and alison spittle um we kind of talked a lot about how growing up all three of us would have had this thing about death and it was because we all had kind of quite religious backgrounds and so like for me it was like the fear of god put into me by priests and nuns over the years like do you think like did you have a religious upbringing or it was just it's just a general kind of dave anxiousness it's it's a general dave anxiousness yeah uh i think not really i mean like my my family uh, like i mean would have dragged us to mass when we were younger that kind of stuff but that eventually ebbed away and my mother would say that she's religious but i don't know how religious she is you know i mean yeah not like not really like i've been lucky in that I've, i've never been like scarred by like the fucking horrific institution that is the catholic church in ireland over the years um but you do grow up in those kind of weird didactic big things and these big themes that are very difficult for a kid to maybe deal with at the same time i remember like the film critic mark commode who i used to really like but i've kind of soured on particularly i think he's a great writer but an interesting opinion maker but his radio show i think is absolute garbage i can't sound it uh plays to the gallery and it's so knowing and it's become this horrible like meta thing and it's just gross to listen to but i remember years ago he did say something i think he was reviewing like bridge to terabithia or something which is ostensibly a kid's movie but it has a big death scene in it apparently i haven't seen it and he was saying kids can handle darkness and mm-hmm. we don't really we don't really admit that a lot we don't really yeah. but they can you we don't give them enough credit i think i we remember don't. no we don't um freaking out um my best friends um their family dog and um, they had to put her down okay. and they had at the time like a tiny baby who would have known better but a two-year-old and we were kind of like i just asked online i was like guys i've no experience of this like the lads are at the vet now we, i don't know what like the, i was minding the kid i was like what do we tell them um you know what how do we deal with this and people were kind of saying different things like oh say the dog went to a farmer and then write a yeah. note back and all these lovely things and then it was actually circa from ships Oh yeah. Um, who works with children as a play therapist? Also, she got in touch. She was like, "Look, you need to be honest. You need to explain that the dog isn't here anymore. The dog died, and you know, and kind of be very like factual about it. And they'll be able to take it in. You know, and this, respect. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Absolutely. I, I, I don't know Sorka that well, but she seems cool, and that's oh, she's amazing. I, I, that's a really healthy way of looking yeah, at it. Yeah, and we said it to him, and he just accepted it. And then the other day, he was actually asking. He was like, "Um." Oh, where did where, you know, the dog's name? Where did the dog go? And and we were like, oh, you know, we remember we told you she died. And he's like, and wh- where? But where? What does that mean? It means she's not here anymore, mm. you know. And he was like, oh, okay. And just like he totally 
took it on board. He just wants to check that she was definitely gone. You I know, have so. um, I have a niece and four nephews, and um, they're all crazy in their own way. And one of them in particular, Charlie, who's awesome. I think a couple of years ago, he was like, uh, he had a question about death, and I was like, oh god, like what's this gonna be? Mm-hmm. And he was like, can you eat in heaven? <laughs> and I was like, that's great. I love him. He actually gave me the best answer. I'm like, you know, do we have any snacks? <laughs> he gave me the best answer to a question I think I've ever gotten ever in my life. And I've in, I've done a lot of interviews. Uh, I wasn't necessarily interviewing him, but uh, he was running around. This probably when he was like four or five or something. He was running around my gaff, my parents' gaff, in a full skeleton costume in like July, you know, in like like sweltering summer. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, what the hell is all this about? You know, like break it out of Halloween, mate. So I was like, hey, why are you like dressed like a skeleton? And he said, because it's fun being skeletons. Fair play to him. And I was like, yeah, I can't argue with that. Yeah. That's amazing. Absolutely. Fair play. Delivered an incredible panache <laughs> that only a five or six, six-year-old who's intent on like throwing himself against everything possible can do. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, like the death thing, it's just, it's, you know, like it, you're told it's as natural as, as life. Like it has to happen. And like it does. And like there's also a romantic bullshit thing about it. And... I don't know it's just it's really strange to me and it can be it's funny how you can watch like an action movie like a John Wick which I really enjoy mm-hmm. and Keanu Reeves is just like killing guys <laughs> like you know like and he's it's just you're just detached just from shooting us. guys in the head and like you don't care but then you yeah. can watch a dramatic film in which a death is presented in such a poignant and incredibly moving way and it just destroys you like <laughs> I mean but it's amazing to have that kind of you know like you, it's fine you can you can watch the popcorn movie and not be affected by it whatsoever yeah. but then sometimes you're like Jesus Christ you just killed 200 people like yeah what's that about <laughs> I have a weird thing with films um, where if the violence is contextual I'm okay mm. but if I feel it's violence for the sake of violence and, and it's just someone yeah, a- yeah. Ask, acting out this weird thing and it's just shoved in there yeah. um, I can't deal with it so like I walked out of Gangs of New York okay. because I thought it was excessive I was like that's gratuitous he doesn't need to be pinning the lad down and you know yeah, with the, yeah. and I was like sorry no I'm walking out but then I'll watch something where I feel if it's contextual um, I can go okay well this is part of the story sure I remember <laughs> I like uh, I had like you know when I was growing up I had like a poster on the back of my door of Mr. Blonde in Reservoir Dog because I thought he was the coolest guy ever. I saw that film when I was like fucking ten or something. Like, yeah. was like what am I doing watching that movie? Yeah. But I remember, <laughs> I remember rewatching Reservoir Dogs, which I still, I still think is a really good film. But like, I mean, rewatching like about five or six years ago, and you get to the infamous scene where like you know he kills, he tortures the cop or whatever, and I just found the whole thing so uncomfortable. And I because I was very much like this this cop character. I don't know if you've seen the film, but like this I can't co- remember it. This really. cop character exists purely to be kidnapped, beaten frightened tortured and uh, maimed and then finally just disposably murdered like later on like there's a bit where someone's trying to argue about like oh like you know like look what he did to the cop and then your man pulls out a gun and he's like oh this cop and just shoots him twice in the chest and it's like you know again you're growing up you think it's a badass movie and like you know all this kind of stuff but i was like this is such a this is like a character that's written from such a place of like i don't know if it's anger or what it is it's it, to me it was so callous yeah, and it's amazing how like you can change your opinion though. You can be like, I thought this film was the coolest thing ever, and now, and now I'm like, I actually so feel really, that's getting older though, isn't it? Like you know, that's getting older and being like, oh my god, like life is kind of precious and very fragile, and yeah. and not to say that like that shouldn't be in there, and like you know, I'm 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 generally on board with you know cinematic depictions of things when they're done very well, and when they have, as you say, that kind of contextual respect. I mean like on the subject of like I remember like seeing like the girl with the dragon tattoo, and there's like a heavy rape element to that movie. And I remember like reading the book, and the book is not well written, and it's quite silly. And then, it, but but it was this huge phenomenon. And I worked in a bookstore at the time, and then like the film comes out, and it's David Fincher, and I'll watch anything David Fincher does because I love his style. And like my problem, like what reading the book, watching the movie was like, I was like, this 
rape thing, it changes nothing. The, the character is the exact same character that she thing. was before before and after the effect. She gets her revenge and everything and it's all righteous. But I was like, why is this here? Like, that's a device. I think more and more, I think people are rejecting flat out. They just I hope so. Because everyone goes was going mental about Narcos, how Narcos was one of the best TV series mm-hmm. ever. I got to whatever it was, the second or third episode, and there's a scene, there's the whole thing where the woman is being held captive. Like, I don't know if she's being held captive. I can't. I think I blocked it out, to be sure, honest, because yeah. it was quite traumatic. And I just got the impression that it was a male director, a writer, or whatever, and this was playing out some sort of fantasy. And I was like, whoever put this scene together hates women and I'm really uncomfortable watching it and I didn't I just didn't watch the that show's treatment of women is very questionable I mean like it's one of those things where you're like well I mean like this probably has happened which doesn't necessarily but mean it was the way it was done it was yeah, just, sure. you know what I mean it was vicious it was like somebody yeah. was getting enjoyment out of the detail and out of her you know being obviously so distressed and everything and sure. it's like sorry it's, very, don't it's need a very this. very fine line I mean like you know there's a lot of that even like off mic we were talking to uh, Alan from Headstuff who was right uh, uh, rating and recommending the sopranos to you and i mean Which like i've never seen i'm not i'm, I'm just not like i know people adore it but i don't and it's like that shows treatment to women as well is also very very difficult and tough and quite nasty in a lot of places and again it's like well you know this is a depiction but i just think like you know it's it, it there's definitely a lazy man's narrative to that as well where it's like oh like i'll just put in a rape scene or i'll kill the woman to drive on the motivator for the male for the man in the story yeah uh, which i believe i believe is called fridging and uh, it was coined by a female journalist back in to the early 2000s maybe possibly but more and more i think people are just getting tired of it they're getting they're rolling their eyes and they're like well i don't want this i don't want this in my entertainment i mean it's a strange balance though because i mean like if you read genre fiction a lot of times these stories will start with the death of a young woman that's just the way it goes yeah and i mean i don't know like what's the line do you just erase that completely because it happens and like you know unfortunately like not to get incredibly heavy but like we've seen in this country in the last week or so two uh, women have been murdered horribly yeah and it's been an incredibly difficult week um to be female in ireland um it's like awful like those two separate cases um and then we've got the referendum i know the internet time isn't linear but we are recording on the wednesday it's wednesday the 23rd of may and we're going to be voting yes we are yes voters on friday and um yeah it's just been it's been a lot it has on the subject of the referendum i'm i'm fearful i'm hopeful and it's interesting because i mean again like to to mention joe who i write for like joe is a website that caters to a very mainstream ireland i suppose like it has a lot of people who read it and a lot of men but a lot of women read it as well like like i know there's a sister website called her daddy and all that kind of stuff but like a lot of women do read joe joe has been incredibly um forthright uh i think like they haven't actually put out a direct hey here's what what we're doing and why we're voting yes i think they are going to do that but i mean like there's been tons of videos made by rosanna cooney and dion fanning and others uh with people who've experienced um horrific situations because of the eighth amendment and there's been a lot of we've shared a lot of articles on site about like the likes of David O'Doherty and Chris O'Dowd and Killian Murphy and others who have voiced their their yes thing. And we've had people from the no side ring in and be like, why are you guys so one sided? Our editorial line is that we're supporting the yes vote and reading the comments bizarrely. And I've read the comments on the fucking Patty Jackson stuff as well, because if you're working, you kind of got to moderate those comments. You got to read them. And there's been some horrific stuff there. But interestingly mm-hmm. enough, um, there was there's been a almost a developing civility here and there it's not across the board but it's happening and i i'm buoyed by the fact that i'm seeing an awful lot of people in the comments on these uh, eighth amendment pieces actually being like 
this is the way to go. This is what we have to do. And there are people in there being like, oh, propaganda, blah, 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 blah. And they're getting shouted down. They're getting shouted yeah. down and they're getting argued with in a cogent fashion, which you don't necessarily expect from Facebook comments. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I'm sorry that that's part of your job, by oh, the way. Look, that's I mean, that's <laughs> probably not your not your favorite part of the day. It's tough. Um, yeah, it's, and I, I think it's important. Though. I think you need to see this stuff. I mean, like, I, I think you need to like have these conversations and like you've been a canvassing or i haven't and i feel bad about it and like i i even like i tweeted this week about the eighth amendment which i've never done before and it's that thing of like no one pressured me into doing that and i didn't feel pressured into doing it but ultimately i was like because i use my twitter primarily just to fucking goof off and like talk about music and yeah. like whatever the hell and to me i'm like uh, like who am i to be like here's my voice i don't think i'm an influencer i don't think i'm a person a public figure or anything yeah. like that. i think it's just it's more just a thing of first of all and i know that's if not you, enough, if you don't way. feel that you can go out canvassing that's absolutely fine like everybody does what they can and i think everyone who's doing as much as they can that's fantastic um but for me it's what i i've felt quite drained about it over the last kind of couple of weeks because I feel as someone who every day, um, like you know, Alison Spittle actually had a funny tweet yesterday. She was like, "Today it's um repeal wear sniff test week because everyone's <laughs> just been wearing or we've been wearing our stuff so yeah, much." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's everywhere. I, I feel great. you know, uh, like go, I constantly, I will always have, I will have a badge or the t-shirt or jumper or something, mm-hmm. um, f- uh, for repeal on my body at all times and because of that um i kind of feel that you're always it's it's almost like you're not a target but you're basically nailing your flag to the mass and maybe you'll need to have a conversation you know if you're if there's a lady at the bus stop an older lady on next to you on the bus you know maybe you will have to have a conversation or someone maybe says they're undecided i feel a personal responsibility that i need to have that conversation with people i've encouraged multiple people to register to Mm -hmm. vote um i've had you know conversations with people who were like i'm kind of undecided and i just think we not do this instead and when you realize no like we need to remove it before we can put anything else in yeah yeah. and then they say i didn't know that and i think it's just been quite draining um because you do feel I will say one thing it's made me a better cyclist I'm quite <laughs> a good cyclist anyway um but maybe before where I might have cut across with the pedestrians I hop off when I'm wearing my jumper walk across and hop back on because I feel like I can't let the sisterhood down by having ask, someone I mean, see me break a rule on my bike you say it's been draining <laughs> and I'm sure it has been but I would assume like the experience has been mostly positive yes it's been mostly or has it? It's just you see, and the thing about online is you're in your own little echo chamber, yeah. um, and you surround yourself with people who tend to agree with you in the same line. But even like, just I'm I'm just sick of the. This sounds awful to say. I'm sick of the conversation, but like I'm I'm sick of having the same conversations over and over a little bit. I will continue to do it. It's only another few days, um, and I'm just in awe of like so many people have come out telling their personal stories, yeah. really putting themselves out there. People are so passionate about it. It's something that affects everyone in the country. Um, it's not just people that can get pregnant, but of course we are on the front line of it. Um. But yeah, it's just it's it's been a little bit overwhelming at times, but I'm looking forward to canvassing later. And I'm also looking forward to my sea swim after that. Little (laughs) self-care sea swim. You've earned it. After the canvassing. Um, And that's not to say, oh, I'm brilliant because, you know, going out or talking to people. It's not like that at all. Um, But it is just that thing. To be fair, I mean, like personal responsibility, putting it like I feel like a lot of people feel like they will be personally responsible if it doesn't go through and are putting themselves under a lot of pressure. Sure. 
you know. I, I mean, but those people have clearly done an awful lot of work. I mean, you know, your Tara Flynn's, your Anna Cosgrave's. Oh my God, amazing women. Your, uh, like, na- list names that I'm not going to be able to remember off the top of my head. I mean, even Simon Harris on the debate last night was exceptional. Like, he was such a great speaker. And I, I, I mean, like, the, the problem, I think, from the no side, not to get way too much into this stuff, is just like, it's so aggressive and it's so clearly not the truth. And yet they will just, it's like having an argument with somebody who can't and won't give you any inch and um, simply we'll move on to the next point and rather than have a conversation yeah. use the word conversation that's what it is and to be fair i mean like okay from my own point of view could i have done more 100 percent. i c- could and probably should have done a shit ton of work and i haven't and i feel bad about that whether that's my own cowardice for whatever reason i don't know but i mean like i recognize it i don't feel good about it and even yesterday like uh mick like galaxy was like hey we're going canvassing or honey at least it's at like half four say do you want to come and i did want to go but i was working and i couldn't go and I've also been sick for a few weeks, but I'm not. I I, I don't want to make any excuses. Like I hope I haven't terribly let the side down, because I'm just not really an activist. And I know that sounds terrible, and it's it's awful to admit to. But like I'm, I'm kind of like look, I'm voting yes, and I, I I don't mean like that's enough. But like I I also live in my own echo chamber. I only encountered someone today for the first time, who told me that they weren't voting at all and would probably have voted no. And I had a conversation with this person, and it was a reasonable conversation. But also, I was like, "Well, look." But then you, know, you are an activist. That's it. I you suppose, know, like yeah. that's but I didn't change mine. Like, look at your bag there. You've got your yes badge on it. You know, it, it's all. It goes back to what I was saying. Like everyone does what they can. I hope and kind of does as much. You know, like I like I've had conversations with men, particularly over the last while, who kind of see it as a logical step. They would say, "Well, of course, of course, it should be repealed." So I totally agree with this. Are you registered to vote? Ah, no, it's a woman's issue. Yeah, no, we need your help. That's bullshit. You know, yeah. so um. I mean, it's, look, all I can say is we're all doing what we can. But for anybody listening who um, I know just from a lot of my friends, particularly female identifying friends, um, it's a stressful time. There's been some stressful, um, the new stories and there's been, you know, stories of people being intimidated um, by the anti-choice side and this sort of thing. Um, But just please take care of yourselves. Take care of yourselves, mind yourselves, mind each other. I know that's a little bit, of a Jerry Springer thing. <laughs> it's fair I enough. was talking about this on my Instagram last night and I was like, did I just accidentally quote Jerry Springer? I'm sorry if I did, but <laughs> all I'm saying is please mind yourselves and don't feel like if the referendum doesn't go through that it's your personal fault. We all can kind of just do what we can, if that makes sense. Yeah. So. I mean, like not to get into like what will happen, but like I just, I can't fathom, I can't fathom like it not going through. It just, I mean like. I just hope that, yeah. I want to believe this country is progressive and it's, it's such a contrast well between both sides. I mean, sure, I understand even the argument that some people are like, oh, like repeal is very trendy and it's a bandwagon, blah, blah, blah. For some people, maybe it is. Like, I'm like, sorry, but... Um, for some people, maybe it is. But, but some for, things I, I are think, trendy. I think for most people, I'm, it isn't. You know? I'm glad that people, uh, young people getting involved in... Uh, activism yeah. politics I'm glad it's trendy and you know what after this thing passes which hopefully it will I hope that all of the people that have um, been using a part of their spare time um, go on to the next trendy thing What will it be trendy to um, campaign to free Palestine I hope so you know, or uh, whatever yeah, I mean, the like, next, I, like there will be a next thing, and whether it's, and like, I'm fine with this. It could I'm be gender equality, pay gap, or homelessness, or something. And like, like I would imagine, that I am completely fine with that. that you know, but uh, uh, well, I will say, I mean, like w- the other side of it, like the the no side. I mean, I use the word bullies, like they're they're fucking bullies. Like that's what it is, and it's so prevalent to me. And I'm like, this is, but the the problem is again, it's like there is another side, and like I don't know how close it's going to yeah. be. I think it will be, but let's hope for the best. I mean, I don't know, like like I hope it goes through. I hope people who have worked tirelessly get their just rewards because it's been yeah. such a fucking emotional thing. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I mean that kind of fear element. I mean, it's 
I think like, so much of it is people. I mean, like I, I, I think people are generally terrifying. I mean, like I had this thought recently about um how I was uh, a bus went by, and I just like for whatever reason, like my brain just was like I just thought about the driver of the bus, and I thought about how that guy gets up every day, puts on his uniform, goes to work, does his job, goes home, eats his dinner, talks to his wife, whatever he does, watches The Sopranos. I don't know, <laughs> but I'm like, it's astonishing to me. I know there's a t- so much darkness in society across the fucking world whether it's the horrific events that have happened to women in ireland the this this weekend this month whether it's school shootings in the u.s or whether it's terrorism across the world i mean like you're unfortunately there are extreme forms of division that are just absolutely abhorrent to consider and pure evil in a lot of cases but at the same time like a lot of people get on with it and that to me is like its own kind of strange thing people just they they tick these boxes they hit these marks that we are quote-unquote supposed to do and i find that just almost terrifying in its own way where i'm like the world is on fire but there's also an awful lot of order yeah you have people get on with things because they have to yeah but you it's know like, but why? you have to go and do <laughs> like, these things i'm not saying like, like this is i i haven't read a fucking russell brown book or anything but like i <laughs> i just isn't it strange that people generally i know i sound like a stoner at a party at four in the morning now, but, <laughs> but it's not like most people just most people do it most people like live their lives and they just do what they're supposed to do supposedly and even like just like the like going to work five days a week i mean like can be fascinating to me i I mean like maybe i've been freelancing for too long and you know i don't often work i don't always work five days a week but like it's just strange that society functions at all who built these fucking buildings you know like 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 those thoughts like if they get into your brain forget it did anyone ever tell you (laughs) that you think too much sometimes all the time (laughs) that you think too deeply this is why you're so afraid of death um tell me this i'm so restless as a massive massive overthinker um (sighs) did you have any really irrational fears as a young child that (laughs) um looking back you're like oh my god that's really hilarious embarrassing I'll give you an example so my brother was really afraid of the theme song from EastEnders and my mom wants to watch EastEnders every night so she would watch EastEnders but then just you know (laughs) the way there's always the dramatic doof doof Mm -hmm. moment where it goes doof 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 so obviously this is the 80s so um we didn't have a remote control or anything. We just had this like bockety old telly. <laughs> so it'd be like getting kind of, you're looking at the clock, it'll get to the dramatic bit. You'd have to run over to the TV and oh, turn wow. it off before That's the dramatic in and of itself. Yeah. Worthy of and if we missed it, he would start bawling, crying. So is there anything Jeez. like that that you like think of? You yeah, go, oh, there's, yeah, there was a few for sure. I mean, like there was one when I was in like junior infants, I think it was. And this was like so harrowing. I mean, like there was like your classic, like uh, color in the lines or like, you know, trace the line of this thing. And it was like, there was like a, 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 a in like a kid's textbook. And it was like, there's this picture of a giant. And it was like, if you don't do the lines properly, you'll end up in the giant's belly. And I fucking lost it. Oh no. I freaked <laughs> out. I got so hysterical and I was bawling. And all the other kids oh. were laughing at me. Even the teacher was laughing at me. And I was like, I'm like six. Give me a break. That is pretty scary. Stuff like that, yeah. Like other stuff, like, I mean, like, stuff which I guess would be scary to a child, like, you know, Jack Nicholson as the Joker in Batman when he gets the water You're thrown in his face. Jack Nicholson. When he gets the water thrown in his face and he does the boo thing to Kim Basinger. It's oh. utterly terrifying <laughs> for years. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, th- th- there's always going to be those irrational things, really. But I mean, like, I think it all comes from just a place of just, I don't know. I- I'm an emotionally sensitive person generally. Uh, I don't know any other way. And. But yeah, like irrational. I, I think most of fears are rational to a degree. I mean, we've talked about it. I don't want to talk about it too much because they terrify the fuck out of me. But spiders, 
I mean, Jesus Christ. Is this your biggest fear? What is your biggest fear? They're my biggest fear in terms of like something that could like actually just cause me to just shut down and become a quivering wreck. So like if there's a, if there was a, no, there's not. But if you you looked over on that wall. It's all like a tarantula sized spider. Just if there was any spider there, if there was like Tomo, the run of the mill Irish house spider or Daddy Longlegs. Daddy Longlegs I'm actually weirdly okay with. Um, But a spider that's, yeah, any kind of spider, like I'm fucked. Um, I've never really interacted with a giant terrifying tarantula type one. You never petted a lovely furry? No, sorry. I can't do it. Obviously I love spiders, so... I, I like I get of course Do I you get love spiders? I love spiders. What? I think they're fascinating, amazing They're fascinating creatures. My they're amazing. I agree with all that. Favourite spider is the Amazonian bird eater. Oh my amazing gosh. creatures. Ugh. Actually, no, that you this this one will be fine for you because they actually give you a warning before they attack you. So they rear and they're very big <laughs> and they rear up on their back legs and they have these little pincers and they rub them together like this, kind of like a like I'm giving you a warning. That's amazing. That reminds so me. So you can go. That reminds me of. Um, are you f- uh, are you familiar and fond of the comedian Stuart Lee? No. He's really funny. Um, some people listen to the show will either be like, "Yes, he is, Dave," or they'll be like, "No, he's not. You're an asshole." I think he's hilarious. He had a thing a while ago, years ago, where he talked about. I think it was after like the London bombings, like seven seven, and at one point he mentioned. Uh, he's like, it's it's complete satire, and you know his stuff is very long winded, but it's funny. But he had this thing where he talked about. He goes. And like you know, like like the spate of bombings and the way it all happens. He goes, it really make you long for the days of the the gentleman terrorists of the IRA. And then he goes, he goes, they'd call you up, they'd let you know, you know, like they give they give you a warning. And like he's completely taking the piss, like. But you have people like walking out, and it's just oh, this yeah. delivered with such like sincerity. But yeah, the idea of like a fucking killer spider giving me a warning. I mean, fair play, thanks. More of that, please. But I mean, my own spider experience have been thankfully not too bad. Although last night, um, I guess. Some kind of fate, knowing that I was doing the show today. Before I went to bed, I had that classic situation of, oh, it's time for bed. Oh, hang on. Every single item I own is apparently on my bed. Brilliant. Uh, I got to clear all this off now. And as I was doing so. you cl- Hold on. You clear your bed off. Oh, you just get in, do you? Finish your story and we'll get back to the bed boy. The <laughs> uh, bed essentially, boyfriend. I uh, discovered to my horror as I like removed the last piece of clothing or whatever that a spider just walked across my bed. And I was like, oh, fucking unreal. So I panicked and I got like my pillow and I bet it to death. And I'm sorry, Claire. I'm sorry. I, I had no other choice. Okay, it was him or me. And I disposed of his remains. And then there was like a leg left on the bed. And I was like, this is the worst thing of all time. (laughs) And also, can I just say, I don't advocate spider murder. I don't because I'm terrified of it and I'm terrified of the consequences of it. And I have the notion that like, you know. What do you think the consequences are? His family are going to come and get you. Exactly. Yeah. I have this image in my head of like someone knocking on my front door and I open it up and it's the mother of the spider, comically sized, of course, with a fucking rolling pin in one of its like eight. Sorry to get weirdly gender based archaic stereotype there. I don't know what spiders like. spider rolling pin. I I don't know if if their society has evolved to have equal pay for spider women I don't know but the point is I it's too much and I don't believe I would never be like kill them all because I'm like that'll come back and get me I had a dream once that I was inside a spider okay it was the fucking worst thing of all time horrible horrible it was like an old house except it was full of webbing and like I'm thinking about it right now and I'm starting to shake a little bit oh no Uh, but but that's this is what it does to me and I remember like even like in Joe we had a story a while ago about like a massive spider and I clicked into it and I was like oh god no and like I can never write that story no fucking way I can't deal with imagery. I can't deal with anything about that. No way. So, so you were fine with like clearing up the remains of the spider because it couldn't hurt you oh, anymore. No, lo- lots of tissues. Yeah. You were rather, you, but you'd rather have not done it. I would rather have not done it. I w- okay. would rather have a situation where I'm like, listen, mate, it's not a good time. Do you mind going to anywhere else in the world? Like, live and let live. 
But fuck so you I'll never go to Australia. I'll never go to any of What about places. Get, you wouldn't get like a cup and a piece of paper Can't and do just it. put no? There's, there's, there's too too much going on there. Like the, okay. the, 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 it could go horribly, horribly wrong. Can I recommend that you never spend time on a boat? Sure. Because oh God. there's a lot of spiders. And I've had this chats with neighbors. You know, they'll kind of, it'll get into spider season. You know, it's kind of getting getting a little bit warmer and they the want to come season. in <laughs> and they'll be like, oh, I evicted like 12 spiders. But like, mate, just I've had the same 12 spiders hanging out here and you're saying that you're evicting them and then you're having to evict 12 more. I'm pretty sure it's the 12 spiders come that you're back. putting outside. Just make friends with them. Like I've spot, I have many, many spiders on my boat. Um, I, never, live, I live on a boat as opposed boat. to being a, an incredibly rich person who owns <laughs> a boat a for fun. Do you read Boat Magazine? Um, That's a real magazine. I, I read the um, IWAI quarterly <laughs> newsletter, have which you is seen, the newsletter for the Inland Waterways Association. Have you seen Boat Magazine? I'm not no, even I have kidding. not. Boat. It's like Bot Capital's Boat. It's the most opulent rich guy magazine of all time. Oh. And I'm desperate to write for it. I remember like, uh, <laughs> what are you going to write about? I have no spiders maybe. But I remember like uh, <laughs> like Cullum from No Encore got into like a cab once. And they had it was, it was like a fancy uh, Uber or whatever the fuck it was. And it had like magazines in the back uh, of this car. And he was like, check it out, lads. And it was like, boat uh, magazine. And it was like the, it was like the top 20 uh, super yachts in the world. And it was called The Party Issue. And I was like, this is astonishing. I was on what a, a magazine. I was on a super, well, not a super yacht, but I was on a yacht the other day really? with an interesting history. Um, it's called, um, it's actually gone to Iceland. It left the other morning, um, but it was moored up in Grand Canal Dock in Dublin and it was being renovated. It was previously owned by Mr. Charles Hawhey and oh. Pleasure Craft. <laughs> the man himself. And um, it w- it's the Celtic Mist 2 because the first one sank. So he's like, I'll just buy a new one. Bad omen. And... Um, it was just like a, a pleasure craft and um, it ended up being donated to uh, some sort of it's like a dolphin and whale research All society, right. something like that. That's good. So they had to go in and clear out, the, you know, the opulent bathtub and the full bar <laughs> and stuff and just put in bunks for the Jesus researchers. Christ. But I was on board. It's absolutely beautiful. That sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really good. I would love to have a sailboat. Um, I did take my narrow boat out to the pigeon house the other day, okay. which was interesting because the ferry went by. And caused a big wake and we were bouncing <laughs> up and down a lot. And spiders everywhere in that situation. The yeah. spiders were safely indoors. They I've have had, their little corners. I've had spider related situations before, whether it's just like them popping into my head or actually seeing one. And I genuinely have had like my legs. I do like a little kid dance of like irrational anxiety. And I'm like, I don't know how to deal with this. I remember like coming home one night and like seeing one on my wall. And it was, you know, not too big, but not too small. And I was like, how do I do this? What do I do here? It took me like 25 minutes to like get some tissues and like put it on them and throw them out the window. Alive, <laughs> I think. Because like I say, I prefer not to go for the kill if possible. But no, it's too much. And like I, my housemate like sent me like photos once of like uh, ones that were in her office. And I was like, why would you do this to me? Like, like I, 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 my day's over. If a giant spider, like, I mean, like comical size, like from a Hollywood movie, was to just walk into my life, walk down, <laughs> walk down the street, walk into the studio right now, I would probably just get in a ball on the floor and weep and be like, do what you got to do. Take whatever you want. You know, like you got no resistance here, buddy. This is yours. Yeah, I, 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 I understand. I understand. But um, I, why do you like them? Because they're sound. They do nothing but good. They kill people. They kill flies. And people. Flies are gross. Flies kill people. Yeah, flies are and horrible. The, the spiders come in. They, they weave beautiful webs. Who watches, really who watches the watchmen, Claire? That's what I want to know. Who watches the, the spiders? Watchmen. Okay, if they kill the flies, who kills the spiders? 
And again, and I'm not. You do, Dave Hanratty. Uh, you do. <laughs> Like, you kill no, the spiders. There's no pride in that one, okay? It was like a wild west. Um, so I want to go back, actually, I want to rewind a little bit. So if you're getting ready to go into bed mm-hmm. and everything you own is on the bed, yes. you put it away. You don't just scooch it over to one side nah, and spoon but that's it. Not how, that's not how young adults work these days. No, I, I, didn't, I didn't scooch it over to one side. I, I, no, that's oh, what no, I'm that, asking. That's what you do. If, the, if, uh, if all of my stuff, like, say if I. Do you have a double bed or a single bed? Double. Okay, so do I. Yeah, so here's We're what We're so rich. <laughs> <laughs> so here's uh here's what I do. So say, you know, you maybe you, you've got your laundry and you have Okay, so ex- what, I'll tell you what was on my bed this morning when I woke up. Okay. Uh, I had all of my laundry because I'd done two big bags of it. I've I'm I am, you know, people wonder who uses the uh washing machine in the Topaz or the Super Value car park. That's me. Nice. I don't have one on board, so that's where I bring my laundry. Um so I had my two big bags of laundry, hadn't put them away yet. Um I had a gym bag, I had a couple of books, uh charger, a few things. Um was I going to put away all of my laundry and um all, no. What I did was I scooched it down to the end onto one side. And I got into bed, and I had a lovely snooze, and I put it away this morning. Hey, I no judgment n- here. Like you know, like I, I I came home recently at like three in the morning from a night out that I wasn't planning on having, and then I was like, oh Accidental my god, Accidental Raz. It's great, Love isn't it? it. <laughs> the best uh, on a Sunday, no less. Uh, and it was like, oh Christ, like there's just no room for me. So I did in that situation. I was just, like shoved everything to the wall and like got involved and carved it my own space. But yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I actually, I woke up, my feet were asleep when I woke up because I'd left the laundry on the bed. I hadn't quite scooched it enough <laughs> and it was weighing down my feet. Not good. But I don't know. But I had a chat. Of, I, I thought that was like my secret shame. I was the only person who did it. But then I had a chat of a friend when she's like, oh, that's like my laundry pile boyfriend. It's like my bed boyfriend. I spoon it. It's wow. totally fine. I mean, it's and a I constant I, pile of clothes on one I thought side I of my bed. I was perennially single, but who, <laughs> who knows? I think it, you know, but you, you've kind of lead me into an interesting point here because uh, for a while, and I'm not saying it's gone, but I I really think I developed a fear of sleep. Like, I've never been a good sleeper. And, yeah, I know. Um, Claire just made a face. I just did, like, a what? Tell you, yeah, yeah. Uh, unlocking everything here today. Uh, yeah, like, for quite some time, I, I've had this thing of, like, being afraid to go to sleep. I actually had this horrible panic attack about a year ago. See, okay, so about a year ago, right? And I've anyone who listens to No Encore on the regular will know this story already, or at least aspects of it. I got glandular fever last year. Who Which, were you kissing? See, this is, it's the no, first question no, everyone asks. I did. I fucking did kiss someone the night before. <laughs> and she completely denied having anything to do with it. I was like, well, the timing's pretty suspect, isn't it? Don't you think? Uh, but it's fine because she later tore my heart out of my chest. So, you know, she oh. did quite the number on me. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, essentially, whatchamacallit, uh, I got that. You know, the thing that you're supposed to get when you're like 15. I got it for whatever reason in my 30s. And I was misdiagnosed twice as having my tonsillitis. I ended up in hospital and they were like, yeah, it's gone into fever. So I was just totally fucking out of it. And uh, you can have a really bad hangover from like a heavy duty viral infection of that nature. I, I was fatigued for like a good month or six weeks, like where I was just tired all the time mm-hmm. until that kind of finally left my system. And I don't quite know if this is part of it but it probably was but there was one night where for no reason at all i just got this mad anxiety and i felt like it felt like someone was pouring ice cold water down both of my arms at once and i became convinced that if i went to sleep i would die i was just completely like i believed it like people believe hardcore in religion i was like this is this is and i I always thought like in particular i was like i'm gonna have a heart attack there's no heart uh, history in my uh, trouble in my family thankfully uh i'm not the healthiest guy in the world but i'm not the unhealthiest guy in the world so it was this kind of weird thing of like is this is this gonna happen like fear again fear of your own mortality coming in as well just got this kind of palpitation sensation in my chest and i was like this could be it and i genuinely was like if i go asleep like freddy krueger nightmare on elm street style i will die and 
I stayed awake for as long as I could. And I told my sister about it the next day. She used to be a nurse. And she was like, this doesn't sound like what you think it is. This sounds like a slow burning panic attack. Yeah. And I went to the doctor and, you know, guess what he told me? Guess what he told me? And he told me that it was basically, yeah, my anxiety, which I kind of had been developing, I guess, for quite a while. So a combination of the, like I went on antidepressants for a while and they were also to hopefully help with anxiety. And I've hit a point recently with them where I don't know if they're really doing anything for me anymore. And I'm currently transitioning off them, which unfortunately has led to be a whole other state of body and brain fuckery. Uh, but that's what you do. You try. Um, but yeah, like for a while. And it wasn't just that period of my life. I've never slept well. Um, I always have nightmares. Almost always. Uh, not every single night, but quite often. And they can be surreal and very real and not great. And they would have a horrible effect on you. And I just have this thing of like being incredibly uncomfortable about sleep. The weird thing is, though, I think the last couple of months or so, I've actually gone the opposite way. I'm actually like, oh, no, no, this is fine. So it's coming and going. But there was a while there where I was like, is this actually going to be the rest of my life? Afraid to go to sleep. Is this why you don't nap? I don't understand napping. I never did. Dudes, naps are amazing. Are they? They are. Are they, Claire? And I think it's because, like you, like you, have, you work weird hours I and do. stuff. You know, if yeah. you're, um, if you're working freelance, that's you know, I'm sure you're like every other freelancer in the world. Sometimes you don't always put on pants. Sometimes you don't have regular hours. <laughs> I do go into the office. Then. Um, they, they you do go. They prefer they pants prefer in the Joe I, yeah, office. Yeah, okay. If I, if I wear formal um, clothing. But also, you know, going to gigs to do reviews late nights. So I've mm-hmm. I've always worked a lot of late nights and weird nights and split shifts and that sort of thing. So for me, naps were essential. Mm. Like at one stage. I was working during the day in Claire's Accessories. Wow. I know. I was like, you have to hire me. It's the same name. <laughs> it's fate. I took it. I took it because I needed just to pay my bills. And um, it was great, great crack, actually. Hey, um, I worked in retail for 10 years in different jobs. And it was great yeah. crack. Until it um, wasn't. Until it wasn't. Um, but I, then I got an overnight fill-in job with the radio station, which obviously I was not going to turn down because mm-hmm. of what I, it's what I wanted what to wanted, do. Yeah. Um, but then I also had booked some gigs as well. So what was happening was I was do, I would do from nine till six in Claire's Accessories, go home, shower. This was kind of coming up to Christmas. So I might do like a gig in a pub or something from like eight till 10.30 and then go in and work this radio shift from 12 until six. Go, let myself early into the shop, sleep on the floor behind the till, <laughs> get ready to open up at nine, work till six, go home, have a shower, go do a gig, go do this overnight. And I did that for like two weeks. I was delirious by the end this of it. This is so, actually astonishing. <laughs> so I, um, ah, you do what you gotta do. Uh, yeah, um, you do that. So, you uh, so for me, I, I cannot function without naps. I just can't do it. And I always put like, I, I take too many things on and I have different so bits I. going. Yeah. But I have to, I have to have my nap and I have like the perfect napping window. Um, It's exactly 50 minutes. Okay. Which apparently the science behind it, it's, you know, one sleep cycle. But I find if I, I give myself a two hour danger of alarm but I always wake up after 50 minutes feeling refreshed I'm going to mention my boy Cullum here again when he worked for Hot Press he interviewed some Olympic athlete or something and he told him that if you drink coffee 30 minutes before you take your nap that apparently is like the trick that's the secret apparently it's like you wake up feeling exceptionally refreshed oh I Um, do 50 minutes shower coffee out the door Jesus done (laughs) <laughs> I guess, you, but I guess you fall into the rhythm of it, you know. Yeah. I mean, like you, I can it, sleep in my car. Like I can really, yeah, yeah. I would, you know, if I say, Jesus. I don't do it so much anymore. But maybe when I started out DJing, I was doing a lot more gigs, kind of up and down the country. So say, if I had to, you know, work all day, do something, or I was in college, and then would have to go and do a gig. Um, and then drive home from Monaghan or Longford or something. I had like my <laughs> spots, places, my little yeah. row, the glamour. Uh, I had my pull-in spots where I would, you know, kind of get certain 
place like pull in take a little nap for a while and then keep driving but that's it's a safety thing it's like, mad because i mean like you've been giving me advice recently about burnout and now i'm not so sure i should take that advice well uh, <laughs> i guess <laughs> i kid of course here. actually here's here's something that you know for the week that's in it um but also um just as like a general thing for people listening, we were talking earlier about maybe feeling overwhelmed coming mm. up to the referendum. But even just in general, I think it's a for people our age and younger, it's a real thing where everyone has like a few jobs and a lot going on and yeah. everybody's stressed. It's good to be busy, but also um, it's tough to find the but balance. You, you have good tips. Like how would you give, what would be a few, and we must stress this isn't medical advice, yeah. this is our personal experience, God, no. but you've given me a couple of good tips for dealing with anxiety <laughs> and stress. And oh, the breathing thing. The breathing thing is amazing. See, this thing, I'm, like I'm such a fucking hypocrite because it's like I I've recommended that breathing thing to people. But so you forget to do it yourself. That I don't do. But when you're in the moment, yeah. You can't so remember I it. found and like whether it's a panic attack that you might have, or even if you go for a run and you're like in the cool down after a run, or just having a fucking shit time and everything feels like it's closing in. Uh, four four eight breathing is a technique that I discovered on the old internet, and essentially it's you breathe in through your nose, like as if you're inflating yourself with the fucking old school bellows for like four seconds hold that for four seconds and then breathe out through your mouth slowly find your own rhythm for eight seconds Mm -hmm. do it like a bunch of times in a row or as long as you feel you need to and i found that like you know it's again it sounds like hippy dippy new age shit but like i found that like it's actually euphoric and it does it does help it does ground you yeah yeah that's exactly it's called four for eight breathing four four eight so it hold in in for four hold for four out for eight but i remember Mm -hmm. and again this goes back to um taking too much on yeah. <laughs> which is what i do it's the curse the creative, uh, repeatedly though, it? like, it's what we always do um but i was um dave actually just randomly texted me before christmas and was like hey how are you getting on i was like i think i'm about to have a panic attack walking past the gaiety and he was like okay here's what you need to do and talked me through it and uh, it took two or three minutes which felt like about two or three hours but by the time i got to my meeting um, I was able to go in and just do it. That right. was a great moment. I mean, like, like this is going to sound weird and I don't mean it to because I haven't really thought about it. But like, I find myself in these situations lately where like, I hope and I think hopefully, yes, that I have been helpful to other people who have been going through a lot of shit. But I guess the fear there is something of an imposter syndrome thing of like even a fraudulent thing of like, well, I can't actually apply this to myself. I can tell you things that I think will help you and maybe they will if you try them. And in some cases they have. And of course, they're not, they're, they're not hardcore solutions they can often just be quick fixes but then you have this thing of like well, why why can't i why can't i do it why but can't you I? I think you have been you have helped a lot of people whether you know it or not because you've written about um mental health issues you've written about going to therapy you've talked about it you've been very open about it and i think that then opens the door to normalizing it to making it okay for other people to do that yeah, I hope so. you know because but it i don't be consider very myself much, an expert like you know like i know but I, I think it very much um it kind of makes it okay and more socially like I, I I'm absolutely just in awe of Aoife Dooley you know the illustrator and writer she recently um discovered that she's autistic okay and she um had never been diagnosed had been misdiagnosed for years and had kind of become brilliant at just camouflaging herself and fitting in and she is just talking about it so openly and um, if you follow her online um she's incredibly talented she's brilliant anyway um maybe i should ask her to come on the next <laughs> yeah, episode should, Aoife, yeah, if you're listening yeah. i think you're class and i'd love to have you on <laughs> um 
but she's been talking really openly about her diagnosis and I've just been kind of watching her going Jesus that there's an amazing woman fair play to her but also thinking God if this was a few years ago she probably would never have talked about it she'd yeah. be afraid no one would hire her she'd be afraid you know and people would have said that's maybe not something you should tell but I think now because we're openly talking about things like autism and mental health issues and anything that takes you outside the box of what's considered normal. I know people, I know some people think that there's a movement and maybe it's gone too far in, in that direction. Some people will think that, you know, oh, like, you know, everyone's sharing their personal shit online and it's becoming this kind of noise. And there's definitely an element of like, you know, you have to be careful when it comes, especially to mental health stuff right now, because let's be honest, mental health right now is sexy and that's why you're seeing numerous publications across the board doing interviews and you know like i'm not saying uh, like some people might be cynical about it and do you think it's cynical i don't S- it depends like on, it I, maybe i think, it I, depends. I, I think you can spot that i think it's like like to bring it back to something as trivial as like a bad album review a review of a bad album i mean like you'll spot the people who are bad at this who actually aren't able to put together a cogent argument just in a fair way jumping in i mean like you know it, we're gonna reach a saturation point i think and if we haven't already and people are gonna unfortunately start resenting even just seeing mental health related stuff in their newsfeed much as they are right now with the referendum there are some people who are like can't wait for saturday to be rid of this shit you know like which is also i'm sorry shut up it's too important i know but but, but, but some people (laughs) yeah no i i know it's people who aren't emotionally involved if you're one step away they don't see it like yeah uh, they're just annoyed by you know i i like it could be something like again as trivial as like someone who just sees football so often in their feed and they're like jesus christ like this is annoying i understand that i mean but i think ultimately it is different i mean like my father when i was a kid told me that i was too sensitive and unfortunately that had a horrible effect on me uh he didn't realize what he was saying he didn't Mm -hmm. realize it He, he just wasn't emotionally cut out to deal with what i was dealing with and unfortunately it led to, I mean, we are on terms, but we've had knockdown, drag out fights over the years and we're never going to have that Hollywood idyllic moment. It's just never going to happen. You you know, you get older and you realise that, and even like we've mentioned twice now, like the idea of being misdiagnosed with something. You get older and you realise that, you know, your your teachers and your parents and your doctors, your authority figures, everyone's just fucking winging it. Like, that's, oh, totally. That's what it is. And then you become an adult yourself and then you almost outgrow these things and you have a relationship maybe with your parents where all of a sudden now you're the adult and you have to park all of your shit that they unfortunately have indirectly or directly uh, caused for you because what's the point? You're going to, you're going to, you're going to beat them down. Like, I mean, like it doesn't Mm. make any sense, but that's tough because then you're like, you have an emotional aspect of yourself that you're not fully, you're never going to get that missing jigsaw piece. You have to, you have to make a new one. And, you know, currently I think it is great that we're seeing an awful lot of people, uh, who are unafraid and like my own situation would be like i my employers know they know about my mental health they know that like you know this is who i am and there may well be times when i won't be able to come to work and so far i can only say that i've been supported i've been encouraged yeah that's, one, that's um, fantastic which is amazing yeah. and you know I but don't that know, should be the norm you I, know? I can't speak for everybody maybe mm-hmm. someone had a really bad experience but i thankfully but I, but my i guess maybe even to conclude in this would be like I've never understood uh, in the last kind of maybe 10 years of my life or less. I, I don't understand. Uh, yeah, actually, this you know, I don't want to hijack your, 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 your narrative here, but this might be a nice way to end it. I'm not afraid of uh, so much uh, like uh, that I was afraid of when I was younger. Like, I don't understand not saying these things. I don't understand bottling it up. I have very close friends who unfortunately can't express themselves emotionally, even though you can see it in them. They're not bad people, they're great people. 
but I don't understand how to not be open and honest. Perhaps to my detriment, perhaps too much information on occasion, but that's who I am, and I don't see any other way of being. I, d- I, I, I simply don't understand it. I just don't, and I think it's okay. So you're saying... You are Dave Hanratty, and there will be no filter. There'll be no filter. There'll be no fear. There'll be no encore every Friday on the Heads of Podcast <laughs> Network. Thanks very much for having me, Claire. Thank you Thank so you. much. Um, I hope I didn't come across as like mad pretentious there. I wasn't even looking for my own Jerry Springer thing, but I just kind of feel like, I, I, I just feel like it's okay to be open and honest with people. Uh, uh, listen have a real conversation have a real conversation um, also uh, before you do that um, if you liked the podcast please um, subscribe I can slide into your podcast queue <laughs> every two weeks you don't even have to worry about it and um, also if you want to leave us a review uh, to rate li- uh, like it tell your friends uh, basically spread the good word that would be fantastic so thank you very much for listening thank you Dave for joining me thank you for having me Claire. I'll talk to you soon. What? I said them, them, you should lock it up. For the word fear is funk. Now try spell funk without using funk. It doesn't work. Okay, so let's have fun. F-U-N, F-U-N, everything is grand. F-U-N, everything is grand. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.